stats, booms, busts, sleepers. Listen to Adam and Vincent with Fantasy Pandemic on Monday and Thursday evenings via Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow them on Twitter at Fantasy Pandemic, at Fantasy Cajun, and at FF Little Finger. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Pandemic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Bryce, along with my co-host, Vincent Hargrave. Tonight, we are three days away, less than 72 hours away from the NFL draft. Uh, We're going to talk about some rookie wide receivers tonight, but I know everyone is getting pumped up and and ready to see, you know, some entertainment. Finally, for the first time in a month, we'll actually have something to talk about besides you know, rookie rankings and anything else because, you know, we'll actually have something to talk about with the NFL draft. Vincent, I'm sure you're pumped up as I am. No, the draft is, you know, after a month of being in the house and at home with nothing else to do, the only thing that uh, has swayed me some was Tiger King. And then last night watched the first two episodes of The Last Dance of the Bulls documentary. So I'm, I'm living vicariously through, you know, retards with tigers and, you know, the 90s bulls. So I'm ready for something that matters, that's current. And I'm really excited. Like we were just talking off air. I just I think it could be a big draft. Obviously, there's a ton of a lot of fantasy options with skilled players. But I think there's a lot of teams that know that and they want to go get their guys. So I think there could be a lot of trades, a lot of moving. So I think on top of everything, it's going to be an entertaining draft along with the star power they have. So really excited for Thursday night. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Um, it's it's going to be uh, entertaining for sure. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. But, you know, looking at some of these rookie wide receivers and, you know, some of their potential landing spots and some of the high ceilings, you know, guys that you have here, um, I'm going to let you start off with, you know, who you kind of have that's, you know, right around your know, top two, that's C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma. Right. It's It, it was tough back and forth between him and Judy. Um, I think Judy probably is the best route runner, but I think just uh, Lamb has the pedigree. He's done it. Um, he actually ran faster at the combine than a lot of people expected. He ended up running a 4.5. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to be like, you know, 4.65, but he just, he just makes plays. He is a playmaker. He, I think him and Judy and Justin Jefferson are the tier in and of themselves, I think rugs you can throw in there with his attributes with the speed, but I think just the all around, um, just playmaker. I think CD Lamb offers that. I think that he, I, I, I believe he's going to be the first receiver off the board. I think once that happens, you know, with the equity and the capital that they put into these receivers in these first rounds, they're going to put in positions to succeed. I know that uh, Kyler Murray's campaigning for him at number eight. And it would have made no sense, but now they're talking about shopping um, Kirk, the 49ers, Aaron on Lamb. He's got a lot of interest from the Eagles. I, I, like I said, I think a lot of people are going to start reaching up for these guys that they want, that they think are going to fit their scheme. And I just um, – the, the numbers he puts up with the punt returning and everything, he's just very diverse. When the ball is in his hand, he's uh, a number one talent. I just – uh, I gave him the slight edge over Judy, who I do think are the one two. I just don't, I, I don't see a whole lot of downside once, especially when he ran that four five. And you know, it doesn't matter what you see on film for these guys. Sometimes they have to show the numbers, and he does. He is fast enough to make the plays and finish them. So uh, you know, I just and one thing about all the receiver rankings that me and you were just talking about as well is just it's tough. You know, we normally rank ten or. 12 the I, I ended up going 13 deep because 
I feel good about so many receivers, and I think we're going to do a little different. We're going to be bouncing back and forth, who kind of in the order we think that they should go. But this class is absolutely loaded. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. This is the one of the most loaded wide receiver classes I can remember in quite some time. And honestly, these rankings are, are going to fluctuate next week when all these team, all these players have landing spots uh, come Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So the things that we're talking about tonight, you know, they are what our, our where our thoughts are now. But these things are going to change. I promise you, these rankings will change come say next Thursday or you know, next Monday when the draft is all over. But I, I will say something about CD Lamb. I do have him ranked number two. Um, my, I, I do have a little bit of concern about CD Lamb, and that's this. I thought he had some issues with physicality, and he was having a lot of issues against good corners. Um, you know, he's got a lot of big playability. He's got a lot of speed, and he can make some really big plays. He's very sm- smooth and fluid, very explosive with the football. Uh, he, to me, he's more of, more of a vertical route runner. But when he, he he got up against some better competition, and I'm going to point to LSU Oklahoma, uh, when he got up against Christian Fulton and Derek Stingley, C. Lamb really, he was kind of almost MIA for most of that game. I, you know, Jalen Hurts was a Heisman Trophy candidate. Oklahoma was this high-powered offense that was supposed to, you know, really uh, go you know toe-to-toe with LSU for at least a half, and they didn't even go toe-to-toe with LSU for a quarter. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I remember very, very um, smoothly was C.D. Lamb, you know, Jalen Hurts drops like a 40 or 50-yard pass in C.D. Lamb's bread basket, and he just drops it. And it, it was just that kind of night for Oklahoma. And I don't know if that's kind of, you know, tainted my thoughts on C.D. Lamb. But I, I do know he has issues with, you know, some bigger corners. Um, I do think he is going to be a, a good talent. I think he could be, you know, a wide receiver two, maybe even a high end wide receiver two in this league. I'm not sure he can get up to that wide receiver one, uh, you know, at the stratosphere, such as like a Julio Jones, you know, a Chris Godwin, something like that. No, I, I think, I think he could do something similar to Chris Godwin. I think Julio is just a specimen he you know he goes into that calvin johnson just you know every gift that you need in a wide receiver like you put into julio i i, I just i think there's tremendous upside i think that uh with all these guys in the right system but of all the teams we talked about the one i would not want him to go to the 49ers but if he ends up they trade christian kirk and arizona takes him at eight and he's opposite of Hopkins. Well, he's going to be going up against good corners, but he's not going to be going up against a double team or the best corner on the team. So all the attention will go to Hopkins. Kyler can make plays. Obviously, they have a rapport. So I think that that or Philadelphia, where he is the wide receiver option and he's going to get the volume. I just I, I think there's a ton of upside. Again, I think we're uh, picking, uh, you know, you're picking at straws and, I think all these guys are going to work. It's just a matter of where they end up. Yeah, you're right. Now, uh, the the per- the person that I have uh, ranked number one right now, and you know, look, this is obviously you know flowing. It can change, you know, on Thursday. Uh, but I do have Jerry Judy ranked number one. Uh, you know, he's six one one ninety three, ran a four four five on the forty. Um, I've watched this kid play for a couple of years now, and he's just been. He's tormented the SEC. He's been flat out the best receiver uh, for the past couple of years outside of this year. I thought that uh, the best receiver belonged to Jamar Chase this year. Um, but 
Uh, Jerry Judy is every bit as special to me uh, as Jamar Chase. I, I think Jamar Chase takes it to another stratosphere, but you know we'll, we'll get to that next year at some point when he's coming out. But uh, Jerry Judy, I think, really has a lot of talent. He's a dynamic route runner. He's he's mentally tough. He's great. He's got great hands. He's got good vertical speed. He he almost kind of reminds me of someone like Antonio Brown. Um, you know, he always had great quarterback play with, with Tua back there, and he had, you know, a lot of time at Almonds. But, you know, they were doing it against SEC caliber defenses, against NFL corners, because just about every team in the SEC has NFL corners. And Jerry Judy is going up against these guys day in and day out, week in and week out. And, you know, he performed at a high level. You know, is it, you know, a compliment to Alabama and their success on the field and how dynamic that offense is? Yeah, some of it is, but. To me, Jerry Judy is a special talent, and I think whatever team lands him is going to be extremely happy. Um, I, I, I could see him ending up in Jacksonville. Um, you know, they really need somebody opposite DJ Shark. Uh, I could easily see him in, end up in Oakland with Tyro Williams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. That that would take that offense another step. Um, I don't really think he gets past Oakland. I think Oakland's at 11 or 12, but I don't think he's getting past one of them. No, I, I I could easily see Judy being the number one. I think it, it, it's going to depend on the, te- the team and depend on what they see. Uh, you know, guys fall in love with guys for different reasons. That's only gay. But um, <laughs> I do think Judy's the best route runner. Uh, he's very dynamic, ran a lot of time in the slot at Alabama. He has been around talent. I think he is going to perform at the next level. I, you know, I think you're picking hairs there. Um, I've seen – I think the Jacksonville calls uh, a good one because Jacksonville will be taking a wide receiver, especially after cutting Marquise Lee today. Uh, today. And, you know, I think Denver also is another spot. I know him and Justin Jefferson are both getting looks at Denver. Um, I think Oakland is going to go a little faster. Yeah, Ruggs. Yeah, I think Ruggs – you know, I think, I think Oakland or the Jets are kind of queued up for Ruggs um, because, you know, either that, that vertical speed guy – but I mean, look, Judy ran a four four five. So dude, dude can roll still. All these so dudes he, are fast. Yeah, I mean, but and he's faster than most. But you know, it's you know, him, even Justin Jefferson ran a four four three. So you know, they're not rugs time, but you know, that's what his best skill set is. So a lot of these guys are you know four four times, but his ability to create separation, especially with his route running abilities and his high end speed. I mean, he's everything you want in a wide receiver. Um, it's again, it's all going to come down to landing spot. He has every intangible and tangible that you're going to want out of a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, speaking of Justin Jefferson, I actually have Justin Jefferson ranked at number three. Uh, you know, Jefferson Hells on LSU six one four four three in the forty. Um, I know you said Jerry Judy's one of the best route runners. I think Justin Jefferson is the best route runner in the draft. Um, you know, we had a chance to watch him for three years at LSU. Um, and, you know, he was just a two-star prospect coming out of high school, uh, was not really recruited very well, uh, and, you know, ends up at LSU, um, you know, and really starts tearing up from the get-go. And he just possesses, you know, such great hands. And I thought his, his route running abilities were just great. He was always be able to, he was always able to separate himself from coverage, whether it was single coverage or he was able to find that hole in the zone and either sit in or, you know, hit a crossing over the zone. 
he kind of reminds me of someone like Robert Woods, someone who's going to be quiet but yet dynamic, and someone you can count on who's going to catch that football. Um, you know, every time it's thrown to him, and if it's in that vicinity, Justin Jefferson came down with the football, and he really lit it up last year. He was one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, he was certainly one of the best in the SEC. Um, I expect for him uh, to have you know very good uh, NFL career uh, coming up. I really want to see you know what type of landing spot. I think you said earlier with Denver. I think that's a possibility. I think Minnesota could be a possibility opposite Adam Thielen. Uh, I could see him going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia needs you know, a receiver not named Ertz and Goddard. And Deshaun Jackson's not the answer, and neither is uh, uh, the Greg Alshon. Ward kid. And Alshon, who's you know like 35 years old and on one leg, they, they need a new wide receiver. Justin Jefferson fits that mold for them. No, absolutely. Um, I – Again, agree with everything you said. His four four three time at the combine really shocked some people. Uh, I think, I think Judy is a. Uh, uh, I think Judy's the best route runner, but I do think Justin is the smoothest route runner. Um, if we're really getting a straw, I mean, Justin just looks effortless, and the tape that he puts out makes it look slow because he's so smooth. But meanwhile, he, it's it's almost like when you used to watch. Uh, Matt Jones play at Arkansas. And you're like, why can't they tackle that big, goofy bastard and come to find out because he could flat out fly. And I think that's what happens when you got some measurables on Justin. Because I, I, even when I watch Justin, you know, it's like, this guy's a number one wide receiver. This isn't going to be a good year. You know, last few years, like, oh, God, why are they, that's what we have to offer. And he just flat out performed um, week in and week out. So I agree. The Broncos opposite Sutton would be great. I don't think he would – be as beneficial for somebody like Philadelphia. I guess he, he could benefit because he'd be in the slot, and then they could keep Alshon and Deshaun Jackson on the outside, with, and or the tight, you know, with the tight ends. But Justin played in the slot, and he played outside. He played a lot in the slot this year because of, uh, especially because of Terrence Marshall uh, showing up and performing. So they were able to keep him in the slot. So I, he's very maneuverable. But in eighteen, he played a ton outside. So. Again, it's going to be, you know, where it goes. I, I think the uh, Minnesota call is great. I would love to see him paired up with uh, Locke and Sutton and Fant and that Denver offense with Melvin Gordon and Lindsey. I mean, that, you're talking about some real pieces um, if he ends up in a lane of spot like that. You know, I don't think that, you know, some of those other earlier draft um, heavy teams, I don't think they're going to – they'd be as convenient for him to perform. You know, and I, I think when you're talking about this – front-end group especially. We're talking about a lot of guys tonight. But for these top-end guys to perform, it's still going to depend on where they end up. And your comparison to Robert Woods is kind of a, a great synopsis on this whole concept of wide receivers in the draft. No one knew who Robert Woods was when he was in Buffalo because he was in Buffalo. And Buffalo ran whatever the offense they ran at that time was. And they were loaded at talent between him and Goodwin – and Sammy Watkins and McCoy, and they weren't putting up any points because the offense was so decrepit. Then all of a sudden, Robert Woods goes to Los Angeles, and everybody's like, whoa, 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 who's this guy? And you're like, holy crap, all these guys used to be on the same team? It's like as a, thinking about the Oklahoma Thunder, you know, when they had Durant and Harden and um, Westbrook. And it's like, y'all couldn't win with these guys? Like, come on. So I think Justin's a great example. If he ended up somewhere – like Buffalo, nobody's going to be happy. So it's, you know, where they go. But I do think he's the smoothest route runner. He, can, he, he has the vertical speed. 
and the route running abilities. Um, that's why I have him three. I know it's not as industry popular, but I think that um, these three guys and then my guy next four rugs with his vertical speed, that's the top tier. And, you know, some of these other guys are going to be a lot of one B's, but I think that these four guys really separate themselves. Yeah. You know, and you know, speaking of Henry Ruggs, uh, I know you've got him, you know, kind of high up there with uh, some of these other guys after this first tier. Um, I'm a little lower on Ruggs just because I, I want to see him uh, a little more consistency. I know he was, you know, a, a speed burner in Alabama, you know, and he ran a four two seven at the four at the combine and you know, everybody went ape shit. And, you know, his, his draft value just skyrocketed, but, um, I think it's more to, you know, catching the football and playing wide receiver than just speed. And, and you know, I, I remember watching the combine and seeing Ruggs run, and I saw they showed some type of chart with, you know, all the guy, all the wide receivers who ran, like, times in the four twos, and all the receivers were, were basically bust in the NFL. And I'm not saying Henry Ruggs is going to be a bust, but that's kind of a telling story to me that, hey, you may have gotten by on speed in high school and college, but – that's not always going to be the case in the NFL. That that's one thing that does worry me about Ruggs. Now, uh, he did have some good, fantastic numbers in Alabama. Was it you know a, a complimentary uh, piece of the offense? Yes. Um, was it you know because of the offense and why Ruggs you know stats wise were so solid? Yeah, it was. But Ruggs has some great talent too. He's fast. Uh, you know he can separate. You know he kind of reminds me of Tyree Kill. Um, he's not very physical, but uh, he certainly can you fly by, past that corner if he gets on, you know, a hook and go or something like that. I saw somebody did a mock earlier, uh, you know, like one of the industry real mocks of what the draft is going to look like. And somebody had rugs falling for a lot of these um, same things that we were talking about, some inconsistencies and just his overall, you know, he was the number one Alabama, you know, some of his other just – unnerving things that cause these people to fall, especially in this, you know, great wide receiver class. And somebody had him going to Kansas city opposite Tyreek and Nicole Hardman and rugs would be the fast 40 time in the combine compared to the other two. And those guys flew as well. So that would be stupid, but it's nice that they, you know, Kansas city bring him in. It'd be nice of them to bring somebody fast. My worst case scenario for rugs is he goes to the jets and he gets, you know, Dextered by Adam Gase and rolled up in the plastic cloth until, you know, hopefully he gets fired at the end of the year. But, I mean, a lot of these fast guys, like John Ross, for example, you know, he goes to Cincinnati, and they don't exactly utilize him. They don't implement the vertical stuff, and he's often off injured. So a lot of those fast guys, you know, John Ross is one of those names on that list that you were talking about that has underperformed. But some of these guys are just fast, and they're, you know, smaller guys, and they're not – they're a one-trick pony type of thing. And there's a couple of factors. One, Ruggs is an athlete. 42-inch um, vertical jump, 131-inch broad, broad jump. Uh, he has elite numbers and measurables everywhere. So it's not just that he's given the gift of speed. He is a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal athlete. And I want to know how many of those guys on your list were from Alabama. Because if you can do the week in and week out, ass kicking that Saban gives you usually the Alabama guys don't just crash and burn in the league. You know, they may not perform to their draft pick, but there has to be something instilled in him to get him in there week in and week out. So I think that he has an opportunity. I think Oakland would be great. 
I'm worried that it'd be, you know, somewhere like the Jets, which I think is one of the more likelies, unless somebody goes up to go get him. And when it's all said and done, you can't teach speed. And, you know, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing for Ruggs, but when they started, like, charting his, like, catch rate and everything, he was one of the lowest percentage guys on catchable balls. And that was with Tua and Hurts. And just, you know, some of that was Tua being injured. But running those deep routes, those are not high percentage opportunities. So if you put him in a situation where he's with somebody like Marcus Mariota, who never misses, and one of these high percentage hit rates, he could really perform. Now, he may not. You know, he may be speed. He may be a decoy. He's, he is, for all intents and purposes, prime for that third-year breakout guy. It takes two years to figure it out, to open up the route tree. But, you know, depending on where he goes. So, I think – I guess the ranking is different. You know, I'm, I, it's tough right now because you're ranking based off of potential, which kind of, I think, leans more towards a dynasty-type mindset. Whereas, redraft-wise, you know, I could see a lot of the guys that I have valued below him having a much higher draft to pick. You know, I could definitely see even somebody like Michael Pittman from USC or even Anthony Golden, uh, Gandy Golden, if they end up in a better situation, they could easily perform right now. Whereas, you know, Ruggs may be a couple year work in progress. He, he might be a taxi squad guy if you can get away with it. Yeah. And, and you're right. It, it all, it really comes down to situations where, you know, some of these guys are going to end up at it. And I think you're absolutely right about someone like Michael Pittman jr. Um, you know, I think the same about this next person, uh, that's T Higgins out of Clemson. You know, he's six, three runs a four, five, eight, 40. Um, uh, to me, you know, I think if you watch Clemson over the past couple of years, you certainly didn't miss T Higgins because he's big. He's got great hands. He can go up and get the football when he needed to. And he really was, uh, you know, the really the just he made it really click on offense, you know, along with Trevor Lawrence. And um, I can't think of the running back's name back there, Travis Etienne uh, over there. You know, that, that's a really dynamic offense over there. And Higgins was really, you know, one of the cows as a wide receiver. Um, he certainly showed that to me uh, in the national championship game against LSU. You know, he was going over a crossing route. It was one of the first touchdowns Clemson had scored. He catches the crossing route and just bulldozes Christian Fulton onto the ground and scores for a touchdown. And it was really just kind of one of those attitude checks that, like, hey, you know, T. Higgins and Clemson Tigers are here to play. And, you know, they're, they're coming to win a national championship too. But uh, I, I love what I saw on T. Higgins, you know, the past couple of years. He really did it. Uh, I know it was against a mediocre competition in the ACC, but even when he got into the playoffs, whether it was against Alabama or LSU or whomever, he performed at a high level. And I certainly think he can perform at a pretty high level coming to the NFL. You know, again, depends on where he gets taken, but he's got the talent and he's got the hands uh, to certainly excel uh, at the next level. No, I, I think he has a lot of upside. He's a, a very good talent. Um, he does get separation – downfield with not being you know extraordinary i mean he runs 4-4 speed but it's his his was unofficial he didn't run at the combine due to the, you know the the late um playing a lot of the lsu guys a lot of clemson guys didn't do everything so he had the unofficial pro day uh he does have a huge catch radius which helps him a lot he's a you know a very big receiver or he's not huge but 6'3 216 big wingspan so those are all very beneficial see i had a different perspective for Higgins in that, yes, he did it against the ACC, but in the two playoff games, like he was, he would make a play, but 
he had 17 targets in the two playoff games and seven receptions. So, and that's in both games. So I, you know, I, same argument for, you know, you made against um, CeeDee Lamb disappearing against LSU. So did he. Now that may be, uh, that may speak a lot more to Derek Stanley Jr. than it does to their ability and why he's probably going to be a top five pick next uh, two years. But I, he didn't do it any more so than these other guys. So, and again, when we talk about all these, everybody we listed so far, they are playing in national championship caliber. Well, except for Oklahoma, let's be honest. They don't really have a shot. They're just guaranteed the playoffs because, you know, they don't have to beat anybody. But you're talking about these premier guys. You know, I think that's where the depth is so significant because the high-end schools, the Alabama, the LSU, the Oklahoma, Clemson, USC is in there. But also you're getting significant talent from Baylor, Colorado, South Carolina, Penn State, well, not Penn State. Penn State probably belongs in the upper echelon. Liberty, you know. So it's just the wide receiver depth is all there. So I'm a little more down on – I mean, I have Higgins fifth. So why I don't necessarily consider because he has some of that ghosting, but he has the physicality. You know, you're looking at Judy and Jefferson. You know, they're six one. you know, 200 soaking wet. Higgins is 6'3", 216. So he is a bigger receiver that is going to be able to uh, get the job done. Um, he's going to translate more to that prototypical type NFL guy that you see, you know, like a, a, a TO type person. That would be a pretty good, uh, that'd be a pretty good comp- uh, uh, comparison, in my opinion, if he turned into TO, don't you think? No, I think if it gets, no, but that's, you know, that's when you talk about all these guys, you know, you don't want to talk about their floor. You're going to, you want to look at their ceiling. Right. And I think that, you know, somebody that you know, isn't going to, he could score big touchdowns, but it, not necessarily because he just ran past somebody. Ruggs is going to run past you. Um, you know, even in these 40 times, that doesn't equate to, you know, obviously that, that's, there's no direct uh, equivalent to that on-field speed. So that's always, there's always going to be that type of disparity. And that's why the combine tricks a lot of guys. And good GMs use the combine, but don't live or die by it. You know, the film should talk. So I think – I mean, Higgins is a big receiver. He's great. I just – teams that tried to stop him that had the cal, uh, NFL talent could stop him. So I'm interested to see – again, but you got a third – there's a reason there's the third-year breakout for wide receivers is a thing. So, you know, we'll see where he goes. Yeah, I don't... But I haven't – here's the thing. I hear all this buzz for all these other guys. I haven't seen anything – like. Anybody saying, oh, Higgins is our guy. You know what I mean? Like everybody else, like the guys that we've talked about, even some of these lower guys, well, guys that we have lower, but like Rager and Mims and people like that, Pittman. I haven't – I've seen the interest, like they talk about this. Higgins is like ghosted social media, like ghosted Twitter and all the other fantasy. Like fantasy guys have been on him, and you read all the bios about him. However, we don't see – the I, I haven't at least I haven't seen the team that's like oh we're getting freaking T Higgins. Well, maybe uh maybe I need to to watch some more film on T Higgins. Well, while you do that, my next guy that I have ranked is uh, Denzel Mims, who seems to be one of the more polarizing uh, players right now. It seems uh, you know you look around and guys have him ranked all over the place. Some people love him, some people hate him. You know, he ran a 4-3, so he's under that 4-4 uh, margin. You know, had a huge sophomore year. He did get banged up a little bit. 
just his biggest detriment is he's had he did have a lot of trouble with that contested catch type of um, ability. You know, he wasn't going up and getting the ball, but he has been rising constantly. Baylor put up a lot of points. His forty helps. You know, just and then is uh, uh, talking about the other intangibles, just being an athlete. His jumps are huge as well. You know, 38 and a half inches, 131 broad jump. You know, he has a 6.66, so the devil's number of a three-cone drill, which everybody cares about three cones. But, you know, 6'3", a little bit taller than some of the the guys we talked about earlier, Uh, 207, you know, legitimate options, especially where he ends up. I think he can fill a role, you know, somewhere for the Eagles or if he goes to the Broncos. Like, I, I, it's weird because, like, I don't think, I would want Mims to be a second fiddle to the Broncos, whereas I think Justin could Jefferson could thrive as a slot receiver there. I think Mims, you know, could be a number one for the Eagles. And a lot of the hate on him was those contested catches and a lot of drops and some of the frustration that they had game in and game out. Well, come to find out, it never got advertised. He played his entire junior year with a broken hand. And that's where a lot of that happened. And, you know, trying to adjust to that and adjust to, you know, defend it. And they never talked about it. So I think that as information has leaked about Mims, he has risen up a lot of draft boards. And I think that, you know, he can definitely, you know, I think he's, he's a good mix between having that high 40 time and having that, uh, that quick route running uh, prowess that, you know, maybe the, a lot of the high and fast guys that you referred to earlier don't have. Yeah, you know, I was doing some uh, reading, some scouting reports over the weekend, you know, watching a little YouTube videos, and, you know, I was looking at Dan, uh, Denzel Mims, and, you know, I, I read these scouting reports by Greg Cassell uh, from ESPN. He really does a good job and, you know, kind of discusses their strengths and weaknesses. Really gives you some good detailed information. If, you know, you ever want to check those out, uh, you can follow Greg Cassell on Twitter, but uh, you know, Denzel Mims to me was someone who kind of popped who, uh, you know, I don't really remember hearing a whole lot of, you know, the year before last. I know he kind of, you know, rose up a little bit this year, but he's really risen up the draft boards, you know, ever since, you know, he went out and had a really good senior day. He had a really good combine. Uh, he's tall, rangy, he's smooth, he's got strong hands. Uh, he's kind of like a strider ability to go up and get the football. Um, I know he does need to work on his press coverage a little bit. Uh, he's more of a finesse guy. You know, with his route running and his route running tree, didn't seem like it was really that big. But uh, he's certainly someone who I think could uh, could certainly impress. You know, given the right situation, and I think you're kind of right. I don't think he would do well. You know, say in someone like Denver, but you know, what about someone like Green Bay? You know, uh, opposite Devonte Adams on the outside, I think that could be a, a good fit for Denzel Mims. Um, you know, maybe even a situation you know in New Orleans, possibly you put Emmanuel Sanders in the slot. And uh, maybe him on the outside. I think there's a couple opportunities for Mims, but I think you're right. Someone like Denver, um, you know, or maybe I don't know about San Francisco, but it just doesn't seem like it would be the right fit for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't want the number two receiver in San Francisco, just because of the running volume they have. It's just it's not going to be beneficial. But yeah, whoever that's one team that we haven't mentioned till just now. You know, whoever gets that number two spot in Green Bay could have a lot of value. And a, a the wide receiver of the future opposite of Michael Thomas, you know, because obviously Emmanuel Sanders isn't the long term solution, but having somebody with a different skill set than Michael Thomas, um, and they don't have Ted Ginn right now, so 
having somebody uh, that, you know, this, you know, four, three, eight speed, you know, I, I think they, there's been a lot of talk of Justin Jefferson going there and playing the slot in new Orleans. Uh, but Nims would be, you know, comparable for sure. I think he's probably going to end up being a day two guy. And once you get to that second day, then there's a whole lot of options because then everybody's had a shot at him, And then people really start moving and, you know, playing the field on where, uh, where they need to get and maneuver, to make sure people don't fall and you know they 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 have their guys much more than we know so it's it's going to be interesting who teams fall in love with yeah i mean it all it only takes one team to fall in love with a, a certain player i mean i'm thinking you know someone like ted ginn jr you know darius hayward bay and then uh teams like that you know just taking one player and just shocking the entire world and, and taking somebody early in the first round when he's got like a a third round grade it only takes one team and you know like I said, you know, I think Denzel Mims can be a good fit uh, depending on where he goes. Obviously, you know, you said from a fantasy perspective, whoever lands in that, you know, second spot in Green Bay, because it's not going to be Devin Bunches, uh, I think really has a good opportunity to uh, not even perform in a redraft league, but in a dynasty keeper league. He could be some, somebody certain uh, in the long haul could be, you know, a good fantasy asset going forward with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, one person, I, you know, I know is kind of high on your list. He's kind of high on my list, too. Um, it's Michael Pittman out of USC, uh, you know, a four-year player out of USC. Uh, explosive, good route runner. He was 6'4", 223, ran a 4.52. Uh, he's tough. You know, he had a really great senior season, you know, with 102 catches, over, over 1,200 yards receiving. I mean, he was very dynamic in USC, and I think he's someone else who, who's rising up the draft boards. You know, at one point, you know, after the combine, he was looked at as someone like a, a round four, uh, round three type receiver, uh, maybe maybe as far back as round five. And uh, the more I see experts ranking these receivers, the more I see Michael Pittman just kind of moving up the draft boards. And I think he's kind of worked himself into maybe a back end second round uh, to mid third round pick now. Yeah, I think he's done enough to be a day two with his with his tape and his size. And then at his size, being able to run as fast as he did with that uh, four five two, so I you know six four two twenty three, he he can he is he can go up and high point the ball. He can make the plays downfield. Um, he's one of the ones who rose up. I probably the most for me. So when I started you know just jotting down names, um, you know bouncing around looking up different profiles, he's one you know being at USC and USC sucked. And I hate USC, so I didn't really care. And I don't stay up till 11 p.m. to watch football games on Saturdays because I probably passed out halfway, you know, around 8.30. But he's one that has moved up my board. The more I've looked at, the more I've read up on it and looked at other people's opinions. So I'm, I've become much higher. You know, I have him right now uh, right behind Mims on my ranking at seven. So I think, you know, a big body with above average speed and – and not afraid of contact, willing to go get the ball, especially now willing to go get the ball in a league where you're not worried about getting rocked all the time. You know, you don't have to worry about that high pass coming across the middle and breaking your ribs and killing you because the defenders can't take that shot anymore. So he has a lot of upside. I, I really would like to know where he ends up. You know, if he ended up somewhere, like if he ended up as a luxury pick on the late second round of like Kansas City, where they have Hardman and they have Tyreek and putting him opposite those guys with a very different skill set, but another big red zone threat and a big target for like Mahomes. 
it's going to open up things similar to how I think DK did for Seattle and Russell Wilson having that option there. So I, I, he's probably my biggest riser from the pre any perception I have other than some of the guys that probably just didn't know who they were. A lot of these West coast guys, I freely admit until I started looking at them, most of them were just names on a draft sheet. So but he's probably impressed me the most based off of everything that I've yeah, seen. Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, everything I've seen, I, I would have to agree. He has impressed me a lot. He kind of reminded me of uh, Cortland Sutton, a good route runner. He did have a little issue with separation, but, uh, you know, his stats really spe- spoke, spoke volume at USC. Um, yeah, I have to admit, uh, he's not someone I really watched a whole lot you know, out at USC because, you know, you're right. USC didn't play until, you know, 1030 at night or whatever other time it was. Uh, one person I did see a little bit was uh, Jalen Rager over at TCU. Uh, you know, 5'10", 206, uh, 40-time, 447, a 42-inch bird. Uh, he's got, you know, huge playmaking ability. But uh, to, my, to me, he looked disinterested at times last season. Uh, he's going to be a slot receiver in the NFL. He's quick. He's explosive. Um, he even, despite his size, he had the ability to go up and get the football with that 42-inch bird. Uh, you know, he showed off against uh, some good teams like Oklahoma and Texas and Baylor. Um, but even though TCU was five and seven, their quarterback play was somewhat questionable. You know, Rager's stats weren't you know all that great last year. But uh, I just felt that he looked disinterested, and that that kind of worries me. Um, you know, what happens if he goes to a team like the Jets in the second round, or he goes to a, a team with a, a losing atmosphere? Uh, I think that could really spell trouble for for someone like Jalen Rager, you know, whether it's in a redraft keeper or a dynasty format. Absolutely, and I, I do want to correct myself when I was talking about uh, rugs earlier and the inaccuracy. I had my stats mixed up on the Rager and rugs, and my dyslexia acted up on me. So Rager was the one who actually saw an accurate pass only thirty one percent of the time. So it wasn't rugs on the deep stuff. So I apologize to Tua, but. There's a reason Ruggs is ranked higher. Rager was the one who put up these numbers but never had the ball anywhere as close to him. You know, less than a third of the time, he was receiving an accurate pass. Um, he ran that four four seven, but his film definitely makes him look a lot faster. He's one of the guys I did go look at highlights, especially of, and he just makes big plays, and he can fly. And, as, you know, that four four seven guys have a bad day. Maybe he didn't train right. He did. They a lot of people said at the combine he looked heavier than he looked like he played at. So what only concern was for me for him was his three cone drill was a seven three one, which normally like after the Metcalf thing last year, like three cone is a joke type of situation. But Metcalf is a big freaking specimen, and Rager's not. You know he's five eleven, five ten, you know two oh six. He's not a, a mutant like DK is. So to him to run a, a good 40 time, not a great one, and then have a shitty three cone, like maybe he just got you know, fucked up the night before and he showed up hungover to the combine. But none of that equates to what we saw in film. And I always go back to the film. It absolutely pops. He just didn't do himself any favors. He's going to fall out of the first round. And the only thing concerning from a fantasy perspective is the fur- the later you get drafted, the less equity and capital, the less capital they put in you, the less equity you hold, and the less they feel like they have to play you. So unless he's drafted by the Seahawks, because only Pete Carroll doesn't give two shits, he will play anybody. Everybody else, 
is beholden to their draft picks because NFL guys are assholes and they have to be right. And if they were wrong, they have to prove that they were not wrong and make their guys play. So if he falls too far, which I don't think he will, I, th- I still think he'll be a second round pick. But when it's all said and done, his combine cost him money. I think that he still, again, where he goes is going to dictate that. But he can flat out make plays on the field. The tape showed it. But again, you know, you're at TCU. You know, he he's doing all this on you know one out of three passes he can catch. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. I mean, he had a freshman quarterback throwing the football to him. I mean, I think his best quarterback was a transfer over Texas A&M. I think it was Kenny Hill. And even then, you know, Kenny Hill wasn't overly accurate either. So <clears throat> Rager really struggled, you know, with a decent quarterback. But you're right, his tape did pop. You know, he's got, you know, great athleticism. He's quick and explosive. You know, we'll see where he goes in the draft. You know, finally, you know, in, in three days, we're not going to have a whole lot to, you know, start questioning. We'll be able to put some of these names to some teams. Uh, you know, one guy who I think, you know, we're both kind of, you know, around the same on is that's Brandon I. You've got Arizona State, uh, 5'11", 205, ran a 4'5", 40-inch uh, vert. You know, uh, I did get a chance to watch Arizona State a little bit. And, you know, I was interested to see what Herm Edwards was going to do out of Arizona State. He always kind of interested me when he was at the Jets in the NFL. He was very odd. Um, I thought his coaching was uh, inept at times. But it just kind of interested me to see what Arizona State was do- would do. And I remember seeing Ayuk play a little bit. And, you know, he was explosive with the football. He's dangerous in space. Um, he didn't really run a big route tree. And I think that's one of the concerns. He might be someone who is your, you know, third year breakout candidate i think he's got uh, a lot of a lot of work to do uh on the field uh with his route tree um he had issues you know breaking press coverage uh, you're obviously going to see a lot of that in the nfl so i think this is someone while uh could be a great slot receiver in the future uh, i think he's a couple years away from really developing into that uh that decent you know upper upper echelon you know slot receiver he's got a couple years to go and it really depends Again, you know, on the situation, we keep you know saying that tonight, but it, a lot, a lot of this depends on where these guys go. Yeah, the, uh, the draft media just all jumped on him. He he's a very good punt returner, and he is very good after the catch. So he may get opportunity. I think the same as you. He has a limited mount, uh, route tree. He needs a couple of years to grow. He can do that by special teams. You know, returning punts and kicks. And you know, it's going to be a longer process probably for him than some of these other guys, theoretically. But it's, uh, you know, he's, he's done a lot to help himself. He's another guy. His 40 time didn't necessarily match up to his tape, what anybody expected. So we, we'll, we'll see where he ends up. And, you know, he, I do think that he will be contributing immediately, just not necessarily as a receiver out the get, you know. So, um, you know, nothing, nothing to shake your hat at, but he's not necessarily um, somebody I'm targeting. Yeah, I hear you. So. Um, you know, uh, we're uh, we're kind of getting down to the the nitty gritty and the receivers here. You know, we got a few uh, guys who you know, depending on land spots, uh, you know, could easily rise up the draft board. You have anybody uh, on your list that you really want to uh, talk about? So I have. Let me look at my list. I got two guys that are very different and very interesting. So, one, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, LaVisca Chenault um, out of Colorado. He is 
Uh-oh. Yeah. Adam, you hear me? Did I lose you? Oh, okay. Oh, I hit a button. Um, Chenault is an absolute bowling ball. He is like a running back. He's six foot, 225. He is just – he gets the ball and he essentially plays running back. So, just from an interesting standpoint, I think he's one of those guys that can be schemed into an offense. Like, he would be a great guy to end up with somebody like Sean Payton. Not that we need any more freaking gimmicks. We got Taysom. We're good. But, like, a, somebody, a creative thinker like that, I think that he could really do some interesting things. Obviously, you know, 225 is pretty thick for a six-foot wide receiver. So, it's, it's, I, I just, I'm interested to see where he goes. And then the one that – the name that probably nobody knows about that, again, the only other person that really, really uh, popped for me uh, when doing the research getting ready for tonight was Antonio um, Gandy-Golden from Liberty. So, obviously against subpar caliber guys, but, you know, Randy Moss was from Marshall. And there's a reason – Randy Moss fell because he was from Marshall. 6'4", 223, runs a 4'6", just – a big, true wide, uh, NFL-looking wide receiver, just a whole lot of upside, great contested abilities, incredible hands. I think that, you know, same thing, like Kenny Galladay was a very low-ranked guy or unheard-of guy in Detroit, kind of put a lot of equity. You know, I think he was a second- or third-round pick. And you're like, who's that? And you knew he was going to have a shot because they gave him a third round. Like, if, if these guys get drafted before the third round, you know a team believed in them, and they wanted to go get him. So he could end up almost anywhere because of his size. And if they put the value in him, you know they're going to give him a shot. So really interested to see where he goes. Any of these wide receiver needy teams or any like even somebody like uh, Buffalo who needs a bigger wide receiver. I, it's just there's a ton of opportunity uh, wherever he ends up, and he's probably going to be really raw. He's going to have to get up to competition. It may not be this year, but somebody believes in him. He's kind of the, uh, the sleeper that I've kind of caught up with over this process. So for him, Pittman and him are guys that I'm really tracking. It's going to be fun interest. to watch, man. I mean, the draft's coming up on Thursday. You have all, all this talent and that we've been analyzing over the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Anthony G- uh, Gandy-Golden was a name that I hadn't even really heard about until recently. And, you know, he's certainly starting to rise at the draft boards. Uh, you know, there's a lot of names here that I'm interested to see. You know, we kind of took a look at a little bit of tight end. We didn't really see anyone that really thought we thought was like a first-round high-end talent. So we're not going to really kind of talk about tight ends tonight. Uh, we're going to save that for after the draft. And if, if those guys get into, you know, some type of good situation, then, you know, we'll talk about them and bring them up And when we do redo some rankings involving some of these rookies. Um, but, you know, I'm excited about the draft. It's on Thursday. We will not have a podcast that Thursday night. We're going to save that for Friday. We want to try to watch the draft. So I'm looking forward to that, Vincent. I know you are. Um, Uh, Can't wait. I sent out some invites for uh, a Zoom meeting if anybody wants to get in on it. And also, before we sign off, Adam does all of our research and does all the technical stuff on putting out the podcast and everything and saw that 95% of everybody that listens to the podcast in the U.S., except for 5%, so one person lives in Ireland. If you're that one person in Ireland, hit us up on our Twitter handles. Love to give you a shout-out. We appreciate the listen. 
I'll come visit you in Ireland because I just want to go to Ireland. And actually, I'd just be happy to go to the grocery store, leave my house out of quarantine at this point. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Seems like some are going up. Share with your friends. Share with people you don't like. Yeah, I don't care uh, as long as they listen. That, I did you know, mention that to Vincent, uh, Vincent about this guy, whoever it is. You listen to Ireland. We appreciate the follows. We appreciate the listens. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fancy Cajun. You can follow Vincent at FF Littlefinger. And then you can follow the podcast where we do updates and we uh, have some sound bites and we do some retweets with some comments, some, you know, some thoughts and opinions on what's going on in the NFL. You can follow us at Fancy Pandemic. Uh, but other than that, looking forward to the draft on Thursday. Uh, we will be back with you guys Friday night to analyze the first round of the draft. Uh, other than that, you guys have a good night. Enjoy the draft on Thursday night, and we'll see you Friday. Have a good one. See you guys later. Remember, knowledge All is right. power.